Just a heads up, there's only 72 hours remaining to take advantage of the Calling Up Summer Special. That's 27 copies for $250. That's less than $10 a book. It's an incredible way to help the coaches in your organization this offseason that want to strengthen relationships and improve their team's performance. Click on the link at the top of the episode details of this podcast to order today. Maybe the kids have changed, maybe the kids haven't changed, but if I want to be a wrestling coach, what what can I do differently to adapt to the environment I'm in? And what I've come to realize, actually, is I, I think it's a lot of uh, nonsense. Like, I don't, I don't think kids have changed at all. Uh, I think perhaps the environment that they're growing up in has certainly changed, and we have to make adjustments as coaches to be able to adapt to that. But you know what? Ki- kids are still kids. Um, you know, the, the, the things that motivate, you know, human psychology is still human psychology. The things that motivate kids and get them committed and getting them wanting to be a part of something, you know, that hasn't changed. Uh, and, and that's probably not gonna change anytime soon. So when you understand the philosophy and the psychology and the concepts behind motivating your kids and building intrinsic motivation within your kids, rather than trying to pump them up with speeches, you know, that's something that's timeless. And those principles are gonna, you know, they've come to help me a ton in my program. They've I've seen them help other coaches that, that have applied them in their programs, and I think that they're concepts that will help, uh, you know, universally. That was my good friend, Pete Jacobson. He's a high school wrestling coach at Edgemont High School in New York, a New York City firefighter, and the man behind winsmarter.com. And over the next two episodes, he's gonna help us build a more intrinsically motivated team culture. Welcome to the Coaching Culture Podcast. I'm JP Nurbin alongside my co-host, Nate Sanderson. And every week in 30 minutes or less, we're giving you transformational leadership tools and strategies. This podcast is brought to you by Thrive On Challenge, which provides mentorship for coaches to help them grow as a coach and build their culture. You can learn more at thriveonchallenge.com. You're listening to episode 95, Building an Intrinsically Motivated Team with Pete Jacobson from winsmarter.com. Just before we get started with today's episode, special favorite ask of all our listeners out there, if you could leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast, it would be much appreciated. Also, share the podcast with some other coaches in your community. What a great way to impact others around you. And lastly, if you could email myself or Nate, some of your feedback, and not just the positive stuff, but ways that we can make this podcast better, maybe some suggestions on topics that you'd like for Nate and I to tackle. Now, let's jump right into our conversation with Pete on how to build an intrinsically motivated team culture. Pete, thanks for coming on the podcast. Uh, You've got an incredible culture within your own team, and so we're really excited to learn some really unique, not just uh, philosophies, but these strategies to build intrinsic motivation within our team. And some of them are actually really, really fun. So I know that that our coaches will appreciate that as well. Now, most coaches out there, uh, I think they can relate to this frustration that you kind of shared before, which is that kids seem less motivated than ever. Um, but I don't. I think it's not only that, not only do they seem less motivated, but I know uh, that I have felt as a coach for a long time that they should be more motivated, right? And there's so much more rewards out there in sports from having nicer gear to better opportunities and traveling and more skill development tools. And 
And there's no shortage of inspirational YouTube videos or, or social media memes. And, and, and our own coaching, all right, the way that we're coaching and maybe even significantly more positive uh, than their own, our own experience as an athlete. But kids still don't seem to be responding. And, and here's the reality, right? That the science and the research show that our problem is in our approach, all right? Our problem is in our approach and the strategies we're using because most of those are extrinsic motivation. Uh, so I'm excited because you're gonna share with us not just theory, but some really practical strategies for us to build intrinsic motivation. But before we get into the applications, why don't you start uh, by giving our, our listeners kind of an overview of the theory behind intrinsic motivation and you can share what you call the ABCDs of intrinsic motivation. Yeah, absolutely. So, so I mean, I, I think that when, when I first realized that I had like these issues going on in my program, um, I started looking at things like on a very surface level, not really kind of understanding what was going on beneath the surface. So I did what a lot of coaches do when you feel your team's not committed, right? I, I tried to give fiery speeches, and I know how you feel about that, JP. I looked at ways that I could motivate them, and, and motivation is such a tricky word, right? Because motivation is fleeting, right? It's an emotion like any other emotion, so it's it's never lasting, right? You could give a some speech that fires kids up for the next couple minutes, but what does that help them in the long run? You know, I used a lot of um, carrots and sticks, right, uh, to, to try to get kids to, to work harder or to buy in. Um, you know, and, and that's all developing extrinsic motivation. Um, I think that I was mistakenly under the belief that, that I see a lot of coaches uh, subscribe to that, like, you, you can't develop intrinsic motivation, right? We're not inside our kids' heads. You know, that's either they have it or they don't. We can try to motivate them by these extrinsic factors, but that doesn't work. And, and that's where a lot of coaches get frustrated and a lot of coaches give up. And I, I got frustrated and thankfully... I didn't give up. I, I spoke to a lot of coaches smarter than me. Uh, I spent a lot of time reading about psychology and sports psychology and developmental psychology to understand kind of the way adolescents process things. Um, and I, I started to put together this framework to realize you can, as a coach, in a very real way, if you understand uh, what's going on beneath the surface, influence intrinsic motivation and get your kids to buy in and be more motivated. So in order to, to dumb it down for myself and kind of simplify it a little bit, I came up with kind of an A, B, C, D, kind of four uh, main parts that go into developing intrinsic motivation. So, so for us in our program, that would be autonomy, uh, B would be bonds, C would be challenge, and D would be direction. Yeah, that's what we want to do in the next two episodes with you, Pete, is we want to break down for our listeners these A, B, C, Ds of motivation and how they can apply them within their team's culture. Cool, yeah. So uh, autonomy is really um, independence and ownership, kind of giving your kids uh, some control over what's going on. And, you know, as coaches, we tend to be, particularly younger, less experienced coaches, we tend to be a little bit control freakish, a little bit autocratic. Uh, you know, and, and I think it takes a little bit of trust and a little bit of experience to, and Nate, I know I've heard you talk about this a ton in the podcast. Uh, to kind of be able to sit back and let go a little bit, to give your kids some uh, ability to make decisions, some ability to dictate kind of what goes on in your team and what goes on in your program and give them that sense of autonomy and independence. 
uh, that, that can, you know, help lead them to buying in for them. Yeah, you know, I, I remember a quote that I use a lot from uh, Bob Huggins that says, uh, I love, he says, I let my players decide all the things I don't care about. And I think sometimes as coaches, that might be the door, you know, to autonomy in terms of if you don't really care what time you eat or what you have, you know, what time breakfast is the next day or whatever, like those are good places for kids to be able to start engaging in some of that decision-making process. But I think we've taken it even to another level of the things that I care most about, I really want our players to have input into. You know what I mean? Like, I don't care if we have turkey sandwiches or ham sandwiches in our pregame, but if we're really going to emphasize, you know, love and effort or a certain way that we're going to play or conduct ourselves, I don't want to be a dictator in that arena and then just give them some say in the things that don't matter. I want them to have uh, ownership and influence into the things that are that are most important. You know, I, I, along those same lines, I think giving your kids choices uh, is an important part of that. I, you know, I, I've noticed, and I just from kind of reading up and learning about this, that there's really kind of two things that go on there, uh, kind of behind the scenes with autonomy, right? The first is talking about uh, locus of control, which basically is someone being able, uh, the extent to which people believe they have control over the events in their life. So as coaches, we probably all realize this, but just as humans, we're pre-programmed to kind of prefer having some sense of control over what goes on in our lives. We don't like things to just happen to us. We like to have a say in the matter. It, there, there's kind of feelings of safety related to that. Control makes us feel a little bit safer. So when you're giving kids some control uh, and some choice and some decision, they feel like they have a stronger locus of control and that makes them feel a little bit safer. And, you know, it, talking about, um, I know you guys have talked about the culture code extensively, uh, uh, on a few episodes of your podcast and creating that feeling in that environment of safety is a really huge part of, of developing um, that internal motivation. So locus of control is a big one. And the second one is kind of, uh, I, I don't really know what psychologists would call it. I call it reciprocal emotion. So, so in any kind of like true well-meaning relationship, there's give and take, right? And trust is, is one of those emotions to a T, right? When you demonstrate that you trust other people, even in small ways, they can't help uh, but begin to trust you as more, uh, you know, at the same time. So our, our brains kind of uh, gravitate towards this even emotional exchange, right? When someone's offering us something, we tend to offer it back, even if we don't even realize it. So as a coach, um, you, you know, when you're giving your kids some autonomy, uh, and you're granting control, you're, you're kind of building uh, that intrinsic motivation in two different ways. You're increasing their feeling of safety, and safety builds trust. And you're also demonstrating to your kids that you trust them, therefore they kind of trust you back. And that kind of gives you permission to coach them a little bit harder because there's that pre-existing trust right there. Um, and, and I, you know, honestly, I think just one of the added benefits of autonomy is that, particularly like Nate said, when you're building it into practices, when you're building it into developing game strategies, things of that nature, you're really helping your kids build their own self-awareness, right? You're helping your kids understand where they're strong, maybe where they're not as strong individually, where they're stronger as a team or where they're not as strong as a team. And something we talk about a ton in our program is, I, I mean, I, I probably, my kids probably roll their eyes every time I say it at this point, is you guys need to be your own best coach. You know, we want to get you guys to the point where you know you're able to make decisions you know I, I i tell my kids my goal for you is i want you to be able to walk into our wrestling room 
with no coaches there and put yourself through a great 90 minute workout without having to be told what to do because you understand what, what's going to make you better. You understand what you need to work on. Um, and, and obviously that's not what we do. You know, it's, it's my job to coach them and, and I certainly do, but we want to try to develop that kind of independence and autonomy uh, for a variety of reasons. And self-awareness is one of them for sure. Well, I think, you know, the more you bring your players into some of those coaching decisions, too, I found that whether it's our captains or our seniors or even just in conversations on the side, not only are they developing that self-awareness that you talked about, but they develop this empathy, you know, not just for you as a coach, but even for their teammates. I mean, I, I think back to a couple years ago when we were debating whether or not to dress a kid and pull him up from JV to varsity for like the last month of the season, and so I sat down with my captains and I said, look, here's the angles that I can see. And I kind of showed it to him from the, the player's perspective, from the coach's perspective. What about this other player that's not going to get pulled up? And, you know, they sort of, I said, okay, so what would you do in that situation? And they're like, boy, I don't know. That's a tough, <laughs> that's a tough situation that you're in coach, you know, but they didn't really see it from so many different perspectives. And I think that even that training and that, you know, putting them in leadership situations like that is going to, uh, continue to develop them, obviously, in ways that will hopefully benefit them long after they're done playing for us. Yeah, I mean that that's so true. Um, we since you know we're like a one-on-one -on -one sport in wrestling, right? Like like our each of our practices, you know, each kid has a workout partner who, who's kind of their workout partner for the practice, and we try to build in a little bit of autonomy into our practices where I try a few times a week, and and it kind of escalates as the season goes on, and kids develop this self-awareness of uh we'll cut them loose for like five or ten minutes for portions of practice and be like listen i'm not going to tell you what you need to work on right now but you and your partner have 10 minutes where you're cut loose to work on the, the things that you need to work on and what's important there is because it's a partnership right you're not just working on what you need to work on you're going out of your way for at least half of that time helping your partner work through the things they need to work on and so it really uh, ingrains that empathy in them, right? Because it's not just as much of wrestling uh, as much as wrestling can be an individual sport. Suddenly, it's not just about you, right? It's about you helping your workout partner get the most out of that session, also. And kind of building that type of empathy is so important. And I've found for wrestling, so I, I don't, I've only coached wrestling, but the kids can tend to become a little bit self-absorbed in a sport that's perceived largely to be an individual sport. So I feel like continually focusing on that deep empathy and the teamwork aspect and taking the focus off of you and putting it on to serving your teammates um, is maybe even a little bit more challenging or difficult in a sport like wrestling when kids are automatically given to associate it as an individual sport. What are some other ways that you give your players some autonomy within the program? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think that um, what Nate hit on earlier about building choice into your program for your kids it is um, a huge part of autonomy. And there's a bunch of different ways uh, that you can build in choice. You know, Nate talked about how when coaches are kind of first getting comfortable with this, right, you might give your kids choice over things you don't really care about. Uh, but then to really take it to a deeper and more meaningful level and to really increase that, um, that locus of control and that reciprocal trust emotion, you know, it, it makes sense to give them control over things that are more meaningful in your program. But, you know, there's a few ways that you can do that. Kind of like, I, I like to call it like choice training wheels for a coach who's trying to, to kind of get more comfortable with that. 
you know, one great way is to give them a choice where, you know, it's, it's a, it's a black and white choice, you know, you choose A or B. So it's not an open-ended choice and either outcome is acceptable to you. Um, you know, if you're, uh, if you're doing a strength training session with your team, right. And the workout calls, it's, it's a squat day, your workout calls for squats. Maybe you give them a choice over doing back squats or front squats. You know, we, we got to work our legs today. Uh, I know some of you prefer this over the other, you know, I'll give you guys a choice when you're, when you're in the squat rack, if you'd rather do front squats, let's get five sets of five. If you'd rather do back squats, you're probably going to load up the bar a little bit heavier. We'll get five sets of five of that, but it's up to you guys start times for practice, right? It, you know, to, to the extent, you know, you have flexibility over that. Um, you know, do you guys want to start at three o'clock tomorrow or do you want to spend some time getting your homework done before we start? We'll start at three 30. There are like thousands of ways that you can do that if, if you get a little bit creative. Uh, something also great that I heard from um, uh, a college strength and conditioning coach um, that, that really kind of drives home the point is every time you give your kids a choice, being intentional with your language once they make their selection can really be helpful. So this coach preaches every time he gives his kids a choice about something when they give him their kind of option, their selection, he always says to them something along the lines of, okay, so is that your choice? Or like, is that what you want to go with? Because he's, what he's doing is he's subtly reaffirming to them that you had autonomy here and you had a choice to make here. Uh, and he says that he's found great results with that. So I started doing it maybe uh, uh, like two seasons ago in my program. And, you know, it's hard to quantify but I feel like getting these kids to double down on the fact that they are making choices makes them really feel like they have more control over what's going on. Yeah, I, I love some of those are some great examples. I, I think autonomy too can can really start with just even the laying out of your the vision and the standards of your program. I think so often as a coach, I came in trying to get players to buy into my vision and, and just trying to sell them on what I wanted to create there. And then I'd get frustrated because, oh, they're not buying in. They're not as committed. They're not as motivated. Well, it's not their vision. It's not what – these aren't the standards that they've laid out. And the reality is by even just asking them, well, what do they want to achieve? What they want that experience to be like? You know, how they think – you know, what are some appropriate standards uh, within practice, within, within, the, within the program? They'll often come to the very same conclusions that, that, that we might have suggested – but just by asking these type of questions, um, that that's a, that's a that's a powerful powerful way to tap into that autonomy. And you mentioned even just the practice thing. I mean, the reality is, if you got a game on uh, Friday or you got a match on Friday for for the wrestling coaches out there, and you ask them, hey, do we need to go for thirty minutes today, or we need to go for an hour today? Like, what do we need? If they have cast the vision that they want to be a successful team, and you just remind them that, hey. For us to be successful on Friday, what do we need? They're probably going to give you the right choice, the right option, um, and it's going to be pretty powerful. And then whether they commit that 30 minutes or that hour-long practice, they're going to be way more invested in that um, than if you had just tried to come to that conclusion yourself. I love it. I love what you just said, JP, and I think there's there's a couple of awesome points that you just made there. I mean, number one um, – autonomy can be a tremendous tool in our toolboxes. And I, I, Nate, I'm pretty sure I've heard you talk about this uh, in prior episodes also. Like, you know, sometimes, particularly as the season progresses, right, we don't necessarily have 
are, are like a perfect read on like how fatigued our team might be on a given day or, you know, or how beat up they are at a particular point of the season. You know, we might have a vision of a 90 minute practice when really a 60 minute practice might be what they need on a given day. And honestly, you know, rather than guessing, ask them, you know, give them that option. What, what you tell me what you guys need right now. Um, you know, and, and obviously you might want to defer to a more experienced kid than kind of a, a first year player, but you know, that's a huge resource for us to use as coaches and, and, and to ignore it, I think is foolish as far as not only building trust with our players, but maximizing the potential of our team by giving them the workouts that they need. The, the other thing you said there, JP, that I think is huge is when, when you really understand kind of the ABCDs, um, the, the kind of next level to really implement this is when you can start combining them. So, so what, what you hit on there is kind of talking about autonomy and direction, right? Giving them purpose. So, so a big part of direction, which we'll get into later, is talking about your vision for your program and your core values for your program and the standards of behavior that, that you're going to maintain in your program and giving your kids autonomy to help develop that direction. So you're combining the A and the D there. That's when things have this this like force multiplier effect. That's when things start to get really, uh, you know, um, you really start to tap into this deep level of motivation on like an exponential level. Well, let's jump into the second one here, which is B, for, which I believe you said was bonds, right? I love to say this all the time with coaches that, that I work with, that I, I honestly feel like coaching is at the most fundamental level is all about relationships. Um, you know, I, I can't, so I apologize to whoever, uh, like, whoever's quote this is initially, but, um, um, and I'm going to totally paraphrase it and butcher it, but don't, you know, don't coach your sport, coach your kids. And, and I, and I think developing the relationships with your kids is huge. Right. Uh, and, and that's where the B that's where the bonds come in. Um, that's about the relationships our kids build with us as coaches and the relationships our kids, uh, build with each other. Um, so any idea kind of that B is any idea you have that will authentically, uh, and sincerely build those relationships is also going to build your kid's level of commitment. Um, it, it's going to build their commitment to each other. It's going to build their commitment to becoming the best that they can be to not let their teammates down. Um, and what, what, when you really focus on those bonds, it kind of develops the relationships where teammates want to lift each other up. And that speaks to the kind of the empathy point that, that we talked about earlier. Um, you know, people want to live up to the standards that you set, which kind of talks about direction, which we'll get into later. Um, the, you know, th they want to do the best they can because they want to support and show their love towards the people that are showing love to them. Um, so, so, so bonds are huge. And, and when your athletes know that you uh, and that their teammates really care about them, and when they really care about their team, they're that much more willing to accept tough coaching, to accept hard advice, um, to, to accept any consequences that might be generated from failing to live up to standards. Um, when you know, when they know that like you as a coach really care about them as people first, you, you can hand them consequences, um, without it damaging the relationship, right? Without them thinking, Oh, coach is just making me do this because he doesn't like me. It, you know, it, when the relationship is there first, um, kids are, you know, either consciously or subconsciously giving you permission to hold them to a higher standard. And, and obviously the standards to which we're able to hold our kids has a huge influence on 
um, the kind of culture we create and, and kind of the ability for our team to reach its full potential, I think. What are some of the ways that you've, you've worked with your team to really establish some of those bonds that you think are unique? I think there's, there's two ways to look at this that's real, that are real important. Um, first of all, there's, got, there's an understanding that um, of pounding the stone, right? That's a big uh, Greg Popovich and a Spurs thing, right? It's, it's not uh, when, when, when uh, a stone maker uh, is, is pounding the stone, right? He hits it 100 times, and on the 101st blow, the stone splits in half. But it's not that 101st blow that did the job. It's the 100 before it. So, so when you're building the bonds and you're building the relationship, it's not really entirely these grand gestures that create that relationship. It's the little things that you do time and time, time after time on an ongoing basis that really develop a deep relationship. And so a lot of that is, um, and I, th th there's a couple of pretty unique things I'm going to share with you in a second also, but I think it's important to go in with the understanding that it's not just these unique tactics. It's having those conversations. It's getting to know your players outside of the sport. It's getting to know what's going on in their lives. It's having those conversations that are non-sport related, even if they're 30 second exchanges before practice or after practice, you know, it's, it's showing them uh, you care by showing up at stuff, right? A lot of your kids don't just, play basketball or wrestle or play soccer. They've got other stuff going on. Show up when you can, you know, um, send them text messages to let them know, you know, that, that you saw them working hard that day. Um, you know, congratulate them when they get into college, you know, you know, like follow up on them if they're absent, right. If they're sick, right. Follow up on them. You know, you probably want to know where they were, but don't follow up on them because you want to know why they missed practice. Follow up on them because you're concerned and want to know that they're all right. You know, are you sick? Uh, what's wrong? I hope you're feeling better. Is there anything you need? Anything I can do? You know, you need teammates to bring over your work? Th things of that nature. So it's these little ongoing things. Um, as far as some of the cool things we do, th there's a couple of things that, that I think are pretty unique uh, and pretty tactical. So, so I think it would be, uh, uh, I think your listeners would get a lot of value out of this. So talking about our uh, developing our kids' relationships with each other. One of the great things that, that we do in our program is something we call Buddy Week. So what we do is usually it's like maybe the second week of practice. So the kids know each other a little bit. Um, you know, most of them have known each other for quite a while. But we, we divide up the team into pairs of kids that we call buddies. You get assigned a buddy for the week. So we try to make the buddies um, kids that wouldn't necessarily be hanging out with each other so much outside of practice. You know, kids that are maybe in different social groups or different years in school. Um, and the idea with Buddy Week is you, you've got to spend as much time as you're able to outside of practice with your buddy for that week and get to know them as best as you possibly can. So we try to actually, we're a little strategic here, right? We try to pick kids that have the same lunch period so it's easy for them to have lunch together. We'll try to get uh, create activities in practice that week, either during warm-ups or conditioning that kind of are like buddy competitions so it's like this pair of buddies versus that pair of buddies. Um, and we let them know, you know, at the end of the week, because, you know, we're all athletes here. They all have this competitive streak in them. We're going to make it a little bit competitive. At the end of the week, we're going to give you guys a buddy quiz to see how well uh, you've gotten to know your buddy. So we ask them questions on this quiz, like uh, how many siblings does he have? 
You know, what are their names? What's his worst subject in school? What's he listening to? You know, what music is he listening to right now? So, so we give them these quizzes and you have to answer for yourself on one side and for your buddy on the back side. And then we compare the answers and whichever pair of buddies does the best, you know, we give them some kind of prize, like a t-shirt or something of that nature. And then we have some kind of funny consequences for the buddies that maybe don't know each other so well. Uh, but, but what it does is it breaks down those barriers and it starts to build these really strong relationships early in the season uh, with kids that might not have those relationships otherwise. So, so if you look at your team, kind of the social circles in your team as these kind of different circles that don't overlap as much as they possibly could, now you're kind of taking connections, multiple connections from circle to circle, from circle to circle, and you're building those relationships um, kind of in a, in a little bit of a forced way, but it's happening a lot on its own on the outside of practice, so it is actually really in a natural way. Uh, and, and sometimes we've had larger teams and it's worked so well for us. Sometimes we've had a second buddy week as like a surprise a little bit later in the season where we kind of reshuffle the buddies around. But, but that has been huge for us, um, developing those relationships and developing that empathy. I've had multiple coaches do your buddy week thing. I've shared that activity with them and every one of them has said that they would be doing that in the, in the future seasons. Like it's, if they've had all the players have had a fantastic time doing that. So uh, we'll definitely have some of that stuff in, in the coaching notes. As we kind of finish up this first part of, of our series with you about motivation there, is there anything else that you would add to the A autonomy and the bonds there that you do that you think is unique? Um, I've got one other kind of unique and cool one I'd like to share that kind of focuses on developing the player-to-player relationship, but also the, the player-to-coach relationship. Um, we, we do this thing we call Coaches Appreciation Night. So we do this towards the end of the season. It's kind of a fun, relaxed night. We usually do it maybe a week before our postseason starts when kids might be feeling a lot of pressure. And for some of them, the season might start to feel like a little bit of a grind. Winter season's a really long season. Um, and Coach's Appreciation Night is this. We, that, that's a little bit of a tongue-in-cheek name for what this is. We divide the team up into two or three teams, two or three like squads about a week before And each one of those groups at at Coach's Appreciation Night, we have a dinner out at a local restaurant. Uh, We have like a a private uh, room at this restaurant. Each of the groups has to put on a skit making fun of the coaching staff. So, you know, at that point in the season, they've all kind of gotten a handle on our idiosyncrasies and the maybe weird little quirks that each of us have. Um, So the kids get really into this. You know, we set guidelines ahead of time so they understand clearly what's appropriate and what's inappropriate. So so there's no boundaries crossed. Learned that lesson the hard way. The the kids get really into this and create these really elaborate skits. Uh, And we just sit there as coaches. And I've got to tell you, this is probably, for me, one of the most enjoyable nights of the year. It's hilarious. Like, watching the kids try to imitate me and and the silly things I do, I swear every year they call me out on some weird thing that I do that I don't even realize I'm doing. And then I'm like self-conscious about it for the rest of the season. But um, watching them uh, kind of be able to get a little bit more relaxed and and a little bit more like um, casual and kind of see their personalities come out and and you start to see who like, uh, who's a little bit more creative and they have a great time with it. It really kind of strengthens our team towards the end of the season, takes the pressure off going into the postseason. Um, and it, I can't, this is probably the best tactic that I've ever found to 
to kind of put us in a really, really great place from a culture perspective going into our postseason. So we're going to break there and come back next week. I know we were a couple minutes over time this week, but I just couldn't uh, cut any more. So much good stuff in that episode. Pete's launched a special resource for coaches at winsmarter.com forward slash coaching culture. Uh, we'll have a link to this in the episode coaching notes and more about it at the end of next week's episode. You can get this episode and all previous episodes coaching notes, though, by going to thriveonchallenge.com and subscribing uh, for the free coaching tool. So check it out today.